Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. So it's nice to have you with us. We are um, pressing on in the book of Exodus. We are in Exodus 15 and 16 this morning, if you can find your place there. And we'll be in Matthew 9. So to prepare our little brains for this morning and wake up a little bit, challenge us with a few dad jokes. Let's see here. What do you call a fish with no eye? Well, that's easy. It's a There's no eye in the word. Fish Police arrested a bottle of water because it was wanted in three states. Solid, liquid, and gas. I like that one. All right. Let's move over to Exodus this morning. And I'll get my remote working. Father God, thank you for this morning. I ask you to bless this time with us and give us understanding. God, what you're doing in these days, give us clear insight and understanding in uh, these very interesting things we'll be looking at in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, nice to have you guys with us. We're going to start into Exodus 15 this morning. Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang the songs of the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and the rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will extol him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea, and the choicest of his officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths cover him. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. And in the greatness of your excellence, you overthrow those who rise up against you. You send forth your burning anger, and it consumes them as chaff. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters are piled up. The flowing waters stood up like a heap. The deep were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide and spoil. My desire shall be gratified against them. I will draw out my sword, my hand will destroy them. You blew with the wind and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness? awesome in praises, working wonders. You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. In your loving kindness, you have led the people whom you have redeemed. In your strength, you have guided them to your holy habitation. The peoples have heard they tremble. Anguish has gripped the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom were dismayed. The leaders of Moab, trembling, grips them. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. 
By the greatness of your arm, they are motionless as stone until your people pass over, O Lord, until the people pass over whom you have purchased. You will bring them and plant them in the mountain of your holiness, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. The horses of Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea on them. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea. Verse 20. Miriam the prophetess, Aaron's sister, with timbrel in hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dancing. Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and the rider he has hurled into the sea. Verse 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Seir. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore it was named Marah. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. Then he made for them a statute and a regulation. And there he tested them. And he said, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, and give ear to his commandments, and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. Then they came to Elim, and there were twelve springs of water and seventy date palms, and they camped there beside the waters. Chapter 16 Then they set out from Elim, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai on the fifteenth day, on the second month after the departure of the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The sons of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots and meat, when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instructions. On the sixth day, when, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to the sons of Israel, at evening you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your grumbling against the Lord. And what are we that you grumble against us? Verse 8. Moses said, This will happen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and bread in full in the morning. For the Lord hears your grumblings, which you have grumbled against him. And what are we? Your grumblings are not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, Come near before the Lord. 
for he has heard your grumblings. And it came about as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the sons of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the grumblings of the sons of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And so it came about at evening that quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. And that when the layer of dew evaporated, behold, on the surface of the wilderness there was a flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. And the sons of Israel saw it. They said to one another, What is it? But they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. And this is what the Lord has commanded, Gather of it every man as much as he could should eat. You shall take an omer apiece according to the number of persons each of you has in his tent. The sons of Israel did so. Some gathered much and some little, and they measured it with an omer. He who gathered much had no excess, and he who had gathered little had no lack. Every man gathered as much as he should eat. Moses said to them, Let no man leave any of it until morning. But they did not listen to Moses, and some left part of it until morning. And it bred worms and became foul, and Moses was angry with them. They gathered it morning by morning, every man as much as he should eat. But when the sun grew hot, it would melt. Verse 22, And on the next day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, then he said to them, this is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over is to be put aside until morning. And so they put aside until morning as Moses had ordered, and it did not become foul, nor was there any worm in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. And it came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? See, the Lord has given you a Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you bread for two days on the sixth day, remain every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the Sabbath day. The house of Israel named it manna, for it was like coriander seed white, and its taste was like a wafer with honey. Then Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let it an omerful be kept throughout your generations, that they may see the bread that I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar, put an omerful of manna in it, and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The sons of Israel ate the manna forty years until they came to an inhabited land. They ate the manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Now an omer is a tenth of an ephah.
And I'm sure that's exactly what you were wondering. How much is an over, an omer? Oh, <laughs> it's a tenth of an ephah. Now I get it. Um, I did not look that up. I should have looked it up had I had a little more time to see how much that was. But uh, anyway, we get, the, we get the idea that it was just enough for one day, which is, um, which is pretty amazing. And that is why we call the show manna for breakfast because we are instructed by the lord to go out every morning and gather it in just as much as we need so that it will strengthen us and guide us it is the lord's food supplied to us and as the bible says we are to go out and gather it in every morning and the 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 idea is this is our spiritual food, and we cannot be lax in it, as most of us have been most of our lives, and say, well, I want somebody else to just, you know, spoon feed it to me once a week at church. No, what we need to do is look for it and go out and open up our Bibles and say, Lord, I just desire to be fed. Just show me your word. And little by little, every day we take it in, and it is nutritious it is helpful to us so i thank god for it and i thank god for you guys that are joining making the decision to to keep at it every day it will it does make a difference so thank you guys for joining us and invite more people so of course the um the quail we're going to see that again happens again the thinking is it still happens today that the quail fly very very close to the ground and they say even today over in saudi arabia there are places that when the quail come come flying in and they can be brought in a little bit like the locust from the wind following the currents and such they fly so low that you can just beat them <laughs> right over the head as they fly by and you got yourself dinner so that is at least the thinking how they were able to get so many quail. Of course, they overdo it, and we'll read about that in a little bit more in the future. But God provided them th what they were murmuring about, meat and bread. He provided for them every single day, and miracle, miracle after miracle, and of course, nothing on Sunday. God does want to provide for our needs, and he said... He even promised there that he would not bring upon them diseases, any of the diseases of Israel, if they would just believe him and follow him. And he's doing everything over and over and over for them to believe in him and follow him. And they still have these really hard, stubborn hearts. It is, you wonder, how is it possible to be, good, be that stubborn for so long? And yet, some of us have been there um, throughout different portions of our life where we've kind of been like them. God has proven himself. He's shown himself faithful, but we don't. Well, let's move on to Matthew chapter 9. I just got a beautiful cup of coffee delivered to me, which I appreciate very much. Renee knew I didn't have time to get up and make it, so she made it for me. That was so sweet. Matthew chapter 9. The paralytic healed. Getting into a boat, Jesus crossed over the sea and came to his own city. And they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, Take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. And some of the scribes 
said to themselves, This fellow blasphemes. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why are you thinking evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on the earth to forgive sins, then he said to the paralytic, Get up, pick up your bed, and go home. And he got up and went home. And when the crowd saw this, they were awestruck and glorified God who had given such authority to men. Verse 9. As Jesus went from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to Jesus, why is your teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion, not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Verse 14, And the disciples of John came to him asking, We and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, The attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. But no one puts a patch on untruck cloth or an old garment on a patch, for the patch pulls away from the garment and a worse tear results. Nor do people put new wine in old wineskins. Otherwise, the wineskins burst, and the wine pours out, and the wineskins ruin. But they put new wine into fresh wineskins, and both are preserved. While he was saying these things to them, a synagogue official came and bowed down before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and began to follow him, and so did his disciples. And a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak, for she was saying to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will get well. But Jesus, turning and seeing her, said, Daughter, take courage, your faith has made you well. At once the woman was made well. When Jesus came into the official's house and saw the flute players and the crowd in a noisy disorder, he said, Leave, for the girl is not dead, but is asleep. And they began laughing at him. And when the crowd had been sent out, he entered and took her by the hand, and the girl got up. This news spread throughout all the land. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, crying, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came up to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said, Yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes, saying, It shall be done to you according to your faith. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him throughout all the land. As they were going out, a mute demon-possessed man was brought to him. After the demon was cast out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds were amazed and were saying, Nothing like this has ever been done in Israel. 
But the Pharisees were saying, he casts out demons by the ruler of demons. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. There is the Pharisees, disciples of John, the religious leaders coming to Jesus with religious questions. And he gives them this parable, basically. Learn what this means. I desire compassion, not sacrifice. Where is he? He's in the house of a sinner who needs compassion, who was hated, a tax collector, with other tax collectors. And of course, he gives them this other parable. You know, I didn't come for the sick. Uh, I came for the, I didn't come for the for the healthy. I came for the sick. Uh, it's those that are sick that need a physician. Jesus is the great physician, but he, in saying that, he's also getting them to understand they were sick because he wants them to learn what this means that he desires compassion, not sacrifice. He didn't want their religiosity. He didn't want their ritual. He wanted them to be compassionate in their hearts and care about people, and not about their system. And then to prove that, in a sense, the Holy Spirit arranges for a religious leader of the synagogue to come into him who now does not have a religious question. He has a need for compassion. His daughter has just died. And so Jesus gets up and goes with him. Because this man was not about trying to demonize Jesus even though he was a religious leader, in a sense, he was a leader of the synagogue, he was following the Jewish law very strictly, but he didn't judge Jesus in that sense, according to the law. He simply came to him and asked for compassion. And Jesus gladly gets up and goes and heals his daughter and brings her back from the dead. To show he has power over life and death. And then he heals blind men, men, he heals the deaf. And people are now beginning to see that Jesus teaches what he preaches. He was giving compassion on sinners. He was coming as the great physician to the sick who needed healing, even healing from death. And, of course, the, the big thing about that. The Pharisees always trying to look for something uh, negative to say. Well, it must be that he is casting him out by the prince of the demons. And, and, and Jesus will then answer that, as we've read before, that that can't happen because the house divided against itself cannot stand. So Jesus is tearing down the religious institution that had been built up and the hierarchy and the power structure, which he still has to do today which is still happening today, and we have to resist becoming involved in the religious hierarchy and the institutions. 
because even in the Protestant world, you get things like the Jesus Coalition or whatever it's called that starts trying to get together and um, decide what is what's really what did really what does Jesus say in the Bible? What did he say? What he didn't say? What does the Bible really mean? And they start because they're theologians. And they start explaining away all the miracles of the Bible. So this still happens today. You have to gather your manna daily and ask the Lord to show you what is true and show him and and put the new wine in the new wineskins. Let us be born again in the spirit of God and let the old wineskin, if we were brought up in a religious institution that was devoid of the spirit of God, then we just say, Mm-mm, not going to go back to that. I am going to press in to the relationship personal with the Lord and ask that his new wine, the Holy Spirit, be poured into me and to give me life and give me direction and give me hope. Charles Spurgeon, for February 10th, a constant witness. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men, of what thou hast seen and heard, Acts twenty two fifteen. Paul was chosen to see and hear the Lord speaking to him out of heaven. This divine election was a high privilege for himself. It was not intended to end with him. It was meant to have an influence upon others, yea, upon all men. It is to Paul that Europe owes the gospel at this hour. It is ours in our measure to be witnesses of that which the Lord has revealed to us. And it is our peril that we hide the precious revelation. First, we must see and hear, or we shall have nothing to tell. But when we have done so, we must be eager to bear our testimony. It must be personal. Thou shalt be. It must be for Christ. Thou shalt be his witness. It must be constant and all-absorbing. We are to be this above all other things and to the exclusion of many other matters. Our witness must not be to a select few who will carefully receive us, but to all men, to all whom we can reach, young or old, rich or poor, good or bad. We must never be silent like those who are possessed by a dumb spirit. For the text before us is a command and a promise, and we must not miss it. Thou shalt be his witness. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord. And that is a strong exhortation from Charles Spurgeon, who was one of the greatest preachers that ever lived that was in Europe, who was a voice in the midst of a religious institution of religious hypocrisy and hierarchy who spoke out and said things like this in the late 1800s, early 1900s, saying, you must be witness for the Lord. You must put off anything that is not of the Lord and, and shout his name. In other words, you have to, and it has to be personal. Notice how he says this. this was, he was fighting against the Church of England and the mindset that it was the just pretty much like Judaism, you go to church and you go through the rituals of the church service and you pay your tithe and you be a good person 
and you don't go past that. It was very dry, very devoid of the spirit. And Charles Spurgeon comes along, and he's, and he's a powerful, powerful preacher. He says, you know what Paul saw when he was taken up in heaven? You think God wanted him to keep that to himself? No, he wanted him every man to know. And he came back and spoke of the glory of everything that he saw, as much as he could explain anyway. And he says, we are supposed to do that with the transforma- transforming power and the transformation that's happened in you when you see how wonderful that is and you see in the Word of God the, the future that we have and the grace that is given us, the mercy that is poured out, the understanding of God's power, even to heal if you've been healed, emotionally healed, physically healed. Those things you're not to keep to yourself and you're not to tell it to just a select few. You're supposed to be able to share it with a large audience. Those who ask of you, be ready to have an answer. Those say, what what happened to you? You've changed. Or even now, that we're going through what we're going through in these latter days when people start... You know, some people in Canada might say, hey, can you believe those Christians meeting together and causing a vaccine problem or whatever? And you have to say, wait a minute. All I know is God has told us to trust him and meet together. And hey, (laughs) um, he's made a difference in my life. We don't have to get into the policies or the politics, but we do have to make a stand. We do have to say, I believe the Lord that my God is in even now is on the throne and he's calling those who want to hear his voice to come and drink and receive life and what we're going through now is all because it's much it's much more of a spiritual battle than it is a physical battle what's going on in the world the control that's coming down from these governments and this world world system we've been seeing it in prophecy forever we know that it's the one world system that's coming to support the Antichrist. It is all being set up. So we can tell people you have to wake up and realize that this kind of stuff is not going to stop. It's just going to continue because we see it in Scripture. But there is a God who is powerful to save and to deliver you from all of this if you would just allow him to. If you would allow the power of God to come into your life, to touch you and to save you and to forgive you. So this is what Spurgeon is saying that we need to be able to do. And I I came from a church of England in the Episcopal church growing up. So I'm very familiar with the general population of that kind of a church. Very nice people, very uh, dedicated to meeting on Sunday, but so often devoid of the spirit and never talk about their faith outside of church or outside of each other. That was my experience. And I I praise God there's been some revival within the Episcopal Church, Anglican Church, and I've met some people that have had some um, pretty on-fire churches and and revival experiences. Praise God, that has happened in the church. And and we just got to pray it continues to, to happen. So men like Charles Spurgeon continue to preach, and we continue to share so that we wake up from the lethargy of religion 
and uh, press into the relationship that God has given us. So that being said, let's pray and thank him for this morning. Father God, thank you for blessing us and bringing us into your presence and allowing us to gather in the manna, be able to spend time one with another, God, just enough for us for this day. Bring it, Use it, Father, to nourish our souls, to strengthen us. We thank you for the words of our Lord and our Savior who spoke these words, who told us that he is there for us. All of us who are sick, all of us that need his touch, to heal us physically, emotionally. So God, we know that he was predominantly and always predominantly is looking to heal the spiritually sick, which is everyone on this planet. There is no one that is not in need of his touch and his healing. So Father, we we pray for for all those who would simply cry out that he, you would we would see them healed. We pray for people in our family, people we love, people we work with that seem to be maybe searching or or at least looking, God, that you would bring bring Christ right into their life. Let them have an experience with him like we have had. Help them, God, to wake up and see the amazing transformation that can happen in, in one's life, if they would just let go of the sin, if they would let go of the pride, and ask Jesus to come touch them and heal them and make them whole and give them life eternal. So we pray for that, specifically, God, for the people that we were thinking about the, and the people that the evangelism team here in Puerto Vallarta just had an opportunity to share with them last Thursday night and we pray for the ones that they will be speaking to today this evening they go out they've been having just wonderful success for really the first time in ever of having homosexuals take the tracks and having great conversations with them and how exciting that is father when we know the suicide rate among them is so high so god we pray for a touch that you would touch their lives and let them understand your love for them as well as all people so thank you for that thank you for and father for the continued work in the church through the teaching last night in service those people that were new that came or were watching that you would touch their hearts and have a profound impact god pray that we would always expect you to do something in the church services, that it never becomes something that is just wrote for us and something we just go to to get a little extra knowledge, but we expect you to touch lives, and we look for you, and we pray for you to touch lives and transform lives. Mm -hmm. This is one of the great reasons why we gather together. So thank you, and we look for the things that you are doing through that, through the evangelism team at the mission as well, and through the outreaches, God personal outreaches that people have into homes, witnessing with people there. So thank you for that. We ask for your healing for Claudia, who's been feeling sick. You'd heal her up very quickly, God. And we thank you for the healing that you have done with other people as well. And uh, we pray that Anna could have a good day, uh, that she'd be able to sleep well without her oxygen, and maybe she'd be able to maybe have a little less oxygen that her lungs could start uh, processing the oxygen much better, God. We're praying for this. 
and you uh, just continue to work healing in her life. And we pray for those that are here in Vallarta that uh, desire to come to church, but maybe they have have had some health issues. They've been a little sick or a little uh, worried about coming. God, we pray that you would fortify their systems and give them strength and give them um, opportunities to be out and about and, and feel the sunshine and, uh, and just rejuvenate them. We thank you for uh, this Saturday, the uh, women's conference that Renee will be speaking at, that you would bless that, that you would bring truth, God, that you would bring power into your words, your spirit would minister, and that these women down at the conference center would be ministered to and not that, but transformed, come deeper and have much, much deeper walk with you. So thank you, Father, for all that you're doing. We praise you for this day in Jesus' name. Brothers and sisters, we will see you again tomorrow at the same time.